Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, welcome in. It is hour number two here on The Grid, sportsgrid.com. It is the early line. Joe Ranieri alongside Dane Martinez as... We are excited here as we say goodbye to the month of April. April 2020 has not been very good to us here, but that just means that May is around the corner and uh, more uh, more is coming and better things. And, uh, yeah, exactly. More is coming for us, especially in the world of sports and in our lives, maybe a little bit of normalcy just around the corner. We're excited for all of it whether it be the return of uh, the possible Major League Baseball season, uh, giving us 100 games and the NBA opening up gyms. Uh, we know UFC is coming. We know NASCAR will be there. Golf is just around the corner. So slowly but surely, May seems to be a uh, and appears to be a pretty promising month. So we're excited with that. And then, of course, you got the NFL that just never goes away and uh, continues to do things um, their way. And now that the draft has uh, come and gone, it's up to us to be able to kind of sit back, kind of look at uh, these teams as currently constructed, take a look at the available free agents, uh, take a look at uh, what may or may not uh, happen here over the next couple of months with some of these teams as we get ready for the 2020 NFL season. And uh, one of the aspects of the NFL this year, Dane, is new head coaches. Uh, and there are a number of new head coaches slash new general managers slash new regimes uh, that went into the 2020 draft. And it's interesting. And uh, we'll spend some time talking about some of these teams, Dane, and what we thought, uh, how they did, and what, what our thoughts are of the team moving forward. Because usually when you're talking about teams that are new head coaches and new general managers, yeah. you're talking about situations that often, um, yeah, they're not really great. They're in, you know, some sort of transition. But right. uh, when you look at, for instance, what the New York Giants did in this draft here, you've got a first-year head coach, Joe Judge, which I have, I mean, I, I got to be honest with you, the Giants, I have no idea what to expect for him. But at least he had the comfort of a experienced general manager in Dave Gettleman, who by all accounts, uh, approached this uh, draft in a, in a pretty good fashion with the way they went. They got, uh, understand, new offensive coordinator there, too, and Jason Garrett now, no longer with the Cowboys. Uh, and they felt that, obviously, their, uh, their guy there out of Georgia, uh, Andrew Thomas, was going to be perfect fit for the kind of offense that they wanted to run with Daniel Jones. Great. I thought they did very good there. But Joe Judge is so confusing to me, Dane, because – I know his background with the Saints, right? I, I know how he's going to approach things. I, I just, it, it appears Gettleman knew what he was doing. He had his approach there going on there with the Giants in the draft. But I, I am so confused as to what to expect from Joe Judge. And maybe we should just be looking at it from Jason Garrett's standpoint and, and try to figure out what we're going to see from the right. Giants this year. The draft, at least on the surface, looks like they did exactly. They addressed the needs that they needed to, and you had said it. A lot of uh, of these top 20, 25 free agents are still on the defensive side of the ball, so maybe they can continue to improve on that. Yeah, I think that is possible. Remember, they have made some moves in free agency mm -hmm. already on the defensive side of the ball. Two mm -hmm. linebackers, formerly of the Packers, Blake Martinez being one of them. And remember, we talked about that consistency, familiarity, how the new defensive coordinator was the linebackers coach in Green Bay, right? So now he's getting some of his guys, quote-unquote. They also signed Bradbury out of Carolina, yep. I believe, to be in that secondary and they went heavy in the secondary in the draft, drafting mm -hmm. Xavier McKinney, the top safety on the board out of Alabama in the second round, and also the cornerback Darnay Holmes out of UCLA. So they addressed that need. They addressed the linebacker need. Yep. Remember, they brought back Leonard Williams um, as well on the front line. So I like what they did. They went hard on the offensive line with their first and third round picks. Right. I like what they have did, what they've done. So the idea of what their, their moves and Gettleman as the general manager – check okay i'm gonna hold out judgment 
But you're talking about with Joe Judge, though, as a new head coach. Now, that is different. And, Joe, it's only complicated by the fact that his quarterback is a second-year player. Yeah. Like, if this was Eli Manning having to adjust, it'd be a little bit different than a second-year quarterback. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit – he's drinking from the, the fire hose already, right? So I think it does make a little bit more of an impact. And, and what I'll say here, not only about the Giants, mm -hmm. but something that has impacted my outlook on this entire division, Joe. I know you were talking about the first-year coaches in general, so mm -hmm. I don't know if you're going to get here. But in that division, the NFC East, new head coach for the Giants. Yep. New head coach for the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. New head coach for the Washington football team. Absolutely. Okay, the only team that has consistency, and boy, are they one of those franchises, Joe, that we give them the benefit of the doubt. I know you, like, kind of trust in Roseman. We like what Peterson does. They have an entrenched starting quarterback, mm -hmm. if, stay, if he can stay on his feet, and Carson Wentz. I really believe that in this division, more than any other, the idea that there is not a first-year head coach in Philly is part of what gives me the lean to Philly to win this division overall. Yeah, it's I, I think I, I have an idea of how he's going to approach this from a coaching standpoint, Joe Judge. I, I, it's obvious that they did spend, outside of that first pick there, they spent an awful lot of time getting a lot younger and faster in the second and third levels of that defense. Yes. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they maybe do remaining there for an edge rusher type of thing. But they improved the they spent all those picks on secondary members and linebackers and and perfect. They did exactly what they were going to do. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it's going to be a Patriot way on defense. I'm you know what I'm saying where yeah. you because it's certainly drafted that way. Where a lot of very athletic. We talked about Jabril Peppers coming back now. Um, as a possibility because uh, they might renew and pick up the option on that fifth year. It'll be interesting to see, you know, because when you go second and third level in the draft like they did on defense, you're basically throwing a lot of nickel packages out there. You're sure. doing a lot. You are bringing guys from all over the place, uh, which is what the Patriots do better than anybody. So um, three down, you know, three defensive linemen, and here we go, athletes running all over the field on defense. So it'll be interesting to see from a defensive standpoint. I don't know. They better develop either a pass rusher or come up with something. I don't know about the center position yet, but I do think right. Thomas is obvious um, that they uh, they went ahead and did a pretty good job there, um, I, I think, of the offensive line, which was the most important thing. Don't screw up the fourth pick. They did it. But I do think there's going to be, of all the guys, and you mentioned two of them, and we'll, we'll talk about the Cowboys next there with, uh, okay. with a uh, new old coach there that they've got there in McCarthy, who I don't really know how much he had to do with this draft at all, which is interesting. Uh, this is Jerry's team. We all know this. But um, I think there are more questions surrounding Joe Judge here of all the new coaches and GMs and new teams here coming in. I don't know about I just don't know what to expect from special teams coordinator, That's right? That's what he like, was. It was yeah, a big yeah. time jump yep. for him. Now, there is some conventional wisdom out there that think that special teams coordinators actually mm -hmm. translate better than maybe Harbaugh. Yeah, Harbaugh, absolutely. Right, because they know the entire team. They relate to the guys that are, you know, on the roster, guys number 40 through 53. And I understand all that. But we shall see. You know, you just talked to me about the Jets adding a piece on offense, right? And to be honest, if anything, I think the Giants could use a wide receiver. Mm -hmm. We talked about them picking up the option on Evan Ingram. You know, wide receiver right. is a position of need for me for the New York Giants. Right now, here are the top three names, mm -hmm. Joe. You got Sterling Shepard. Right. Who, like, okay, but was always better as a number two. Yes. You got Golden Tate, who I'd kind of say the same thing about. Like, don't get me wrong. Golden Tate is a nice receiver, a fine receiver, good hands, can do a lot of different things. But also another smaller wide receiver like Shepard, a mm -hmm. little past his prime potentially, and to me speaks as a wide receiver too. And then we're talking about like Darius Slayton, right? Who, listen, had a couple of nice games, Joe, last year when other people were injured, but he doesn't move the needle. I actually think the Giants wide receiver group is less talented. Yeah, I agree. Wide receiver uh, group. And so I think getting more weapons for Daniel Jones on the outside could be a priority as they move along. But remember, Joe, they also did not have 
who I believe is an all-pro caliber running back for about half the season last year either, right? Yes. So let's see what Joe Judge does with uh, Saquon Barkley, who, by the way, will be running to prove that he deserves that contract extension. All right, Dan, so let's do this. Let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys now, then. We'll transition into them because new coach, same mm -hmm. old, same old, every place else, but yeah. definitely a new coach. And it's so funny because the one thing that I noticed about the draft, uh, was the uh, just I almost forgot Mike McCarthy was even the coach. Now in past, <laughs> you know, Green Bay drafts, it was Mike McCarthy was heavily involved in that. Now I don't know if it was just because I'm on I'm trying to figure out who's serving Jerry's drink next. Right, um, right. You know which chick is going to come out on the screen, but uh, but I didn't get a whole lot of Mike McCarthy feeling at all there. So it was going to be whatever Jerry drafted. It so happened that Jerry. Did a pretty good job of drafting. A lot of things bounced Dallas's way in this draft. However, it's Mike McCarthy. How much pressure in your yeah. mind is this guy under now that Jerry and everybody's Pat and Jerry, and you know how this works there. Uh, you know how it works, Dane, where Jerry feels he nailed the draft. So, of course, they're going to win 15 games, right? Right, right. He's done his job. Now all eyes point to listen and I said this with Dallas not only do I point to McCarthy but to Dak Prescott because right. he went out and got you know CeeDee Lamb as the extra weapon you know Joe with the Giants there's questions because we don't know what it will look like right. with Joe Judge for Dallas I have questions based on what it used to look like mm -hmm. with Mike McCarthy right so with McCarthy and here's where I'm going Joe tell me if this resonates with you when he was the head coach of Green Bay, right, they didn't have any kind of bell cow running backs. They didn't have any, and, and they did have Aaron Rodgers, right, in right. its prime, throwing the ball left and right. They never had the workhorse three-down back that is Ezekiel Elliott. Joe. Correct. Yep. And to me, this is where the great mystery is. For the last what three years, mm -hmm. Dallas has been one of the more run-heavy, run-focused teams in the entire NFL. Well, now you went out and paid Amari Cooper. Right. You went out and drafted Gallup, you know, in the last couple of years and are developing him. And now you spent the first round pick uh, this year on mm -hmm. another stud wide receiver. So for me, when I balance that up against what I saw McCarthy's offenses look like in Green Bay, it makes me wonder, are they going to get, you know, are they going to get everything they should out of Ezekiel Elliott and right. out of the run game? Should they have paid that much? for Ezekiel Elliott. So for me, the questions are really, what kind of offense is this going to look like? Because if it looks like it did in Green Bay, then I don't know that it was prudent team construction to spend all that money on Zeke. I, you know, you can't, it, it's so funny with Dallas because you just can't cry it over spilt milk. It's not going to matter any because yeah, Jerry's right. got nobody to blame but himself. And we know this. However, um, you know, the reason Jason Garrett lasted as long as he did, Dan, we both know it is because he was the, perfect patsy for jerry you know when things didn't go great he could bring right. up it was you know it was jason and he understood it he signed on he understood that so mccarthy is it's such an interesting dynamic here with this i'm looking so very forward to seeing what happens the first time jerry sticks his nose into the football operations and see how he handles it but I, th listen the truth is the dallas cowboys to me it ain't about offense they should score 60 damn points a game, right? They yeah, should score 60 points every year. The problem is, what did they do on defense? What did I miss here on defense where they got they got better? And, and I don't know, and you mentioned it when you talked about, you know, the Giants got better on defense. That Washington yeah. going to be better on defense with those two guys that just came in there and Del Rio and Rivera. Um, I was, hello, the Eagles, what? The Eagles had one of the best defenses in the league last year. I mean, yeah. So I, what did you do? I, it's great that you got Flash and you got these shiny new, you know, toys right. that you get to throw out. And pick. But unless you score 60, and we've already seen what Dak does against better competition when it matters the most. Um, yeah. What did Dak, I just don't know. I, I think to me, this is going to be another one of those letdown seasons where now you got a new regime. You just brought in a defensive coordinator that is like milk toast, man. It's like, White paint, Dane. It, yeah. It's like great. It's I've seen this before. Like I've seen this movie before. I just think they, if anybody should go, and I don't know how much cap. Your point. How much money can they go spend to get a clowny? Right. 
Because like we said, they paid Amari. They paid Zeke. You got Dak coming up, right? So here's the thing. In the draft, after the C.D. Lamb pick, mm-hmm. though, right. they did go on the defensive side of the ball. They got two cornerbacks. You know about Trayvon Diggs from right. Alabama. Right. They get Reggie Robinson. They get a D-tackle up on the, on the front line. They sign a guy like McCoy. They try and kind of low-cost options right. at the pass rush. Remember seeing if there's anything left with Alden Smith. They have Randy Gregory with a decision coming up. So I understand that. I do think it'll be interesting to see how it all fits together. And remember, that's why I go back to the Philly situation, especially in this year when the teams aren't going to be together to practice. You're not going to have, you know, necessarily OTAs look the same way. That idea of newness put you behind the eight ball in a way that I don't think was the case in previous years, given the context and the shelter and times that we're it's going to be real interesting, yeah. Dan, I think, as, as it always is. And Jerry would have it no other way other than to be an absolute uh, mess there on some level. It's fine as long as you score 60 points. Not so fine. And then here's the other problem. You better be scoring 60 points with everybody getting there. They're I'm feeding. happy about it. Right? You ain't feeding. And we know Mike McCarthy's pass with running back. Yeah, if, if he ain't eating, and even if you're scoring 60, Dan, you and I both know what kind of nightmare that's going to be there. So... That's why I'm saying it's in this way. Are they run heavy? Are they pass heavy? Who are they? Because if they're run happy, run heavy, then you shouldn't have spent the first round pick on the third wide receiver. If you're pass happy, then you don't need, then Zeke Elliott ain't getting 350 touches like he's used to. And then was he worth the contract? Exactly. So, like, which fork in the road are you taking, Dallas? Yep. Yep. um, It's interesting. And Dallas is always going to be Dallas. But. I think uh, Rivera, first-year head coach, like you mentioned there in Washington, uh, Jack Del Rio coming in as the defensive coordinator. I do think it's going to be very interesting to see what they do. They just added what many people believe to be as a generational talent in Chase Young on the defensive side of the ball. They went wide receiver in round three. They went tackle there in round four, center in round five, and then they went safety in round seven. So it's going to be... I didn't mind their defense last year. I thought they were kind of put into an impossible situation here. I think scheme and attitude is going to be a lot of what is going to make the Redskins tick this year. They're not going to win a lot of games, but I'll be damned if they're not going to be in a lot of games here uh, coming up this year, certainly from a toughness and defensive side of the ball. We'll get your thoughts, Dane, on the uh, on the other side on what you think about the Redskins. Plus, we'll talk about Stefanski, which we mentioned last hour, of course, yeah. uh, new first-year head coach. There's a few others that are uh, hovering around here. How did they do in the draft, and what do we think of the teams that they now have uh, rostered? We'll put the, all of that together. We'll do that coming up next year. It is the grid. It's the early line. It is sportsgrid.com. We'll be right back after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. All right, welcome back in here. The early line, it is the grid, sportsgrid.com. Germanary Dane Martinez here as we uh, continue to take a look at some of these NFL first-year head coaches, general managers, kind of a uh, new regime in a lot of places, a lot of teams, uh, and the NFC East finds themselves chock full of newness there, uh, certainly on the coaching level, as both the Giants and the Cowboys are sporting brand-new head coaches. So are the Washington Redskins as they welcome in, of course, uh, Ron Rivera, former Carolina Panther head coach. Uh, He brings with him a guy that's been around the block, too, uh, in a defensive coordinator in Jack Del Rio. Uh, They get Chase Young with the number two pick. I listen. Are they going to win a lot of games? Do they have a lot of questions, Dane? Yes. Are they going to be? a tough-ass football team on the defensive side of the ball. Um, They are not going to roll over for anything. We know this. They are going to be 
much better on defense than they are going to be on offense. And that we know, Dane, especially this year, might just be enough to keep them in a hell of a lot more games than people anticipate. So Chase Young, generational player, new coach. How do you think the Redskins did with their rebuild process here? So if you acknowledge that it is a rebuild process, then I think they are fine. And I think they took steps in the right direction. I say it because I I still think they're going to be a bad team this year, Joe, you know? And um, so, yeah, they didn't mess it up getting Chase Young. They had the best player in the draft fall to their lap at number two. Antonio Gibson out of Memphis, Mm -hmm. who they selected in the third round. Interesting note on that, uh, Joe. He's another one of these players. Played a little running back, played a little wide out, the idea of the slash, okay? So I want to make that point because, again, we talked about it previously, how that's becoming in vogue for Mm -hmm. the NFL, and Washington was no different going and getting Antonio Gibson out of Memphis. I also mentioned to you the tackle that they drafted, Shadiq Charles, out Mm -hmm. of LSU. This is the guy they're bringing in potentially to replace Trent Williams. Remember how he had some suspension issues, but it was for marijuana, and not getting suspended for marijuana with the new players agreement that has been negotiated in the NFL. So here's the deal. Like, their draft was okay. I'll give them a decent grade because they didn't mess up Chase Young, right? I agree with you that their defense will be improved, especially that front seven, right? Montez Sweat on the other side. Now with Chase Young, Jonathan Allen in the front seven out of Alabama. They have some stuff on defense. Joe, their offense doesn't excite me. It just doesn't. You know, I, they, they've never figured out the tight end position since Jordan Reed's been in and out. Vernon Davis, I think, is gone, right? So, to me, this comes down to ver- two players. One is Kyle, uh, is Dwayne Haskins, mm-hmm. right? Like, will Dwayne Haskins take a step forward or not? Because the jury is still very much out on him, right? Mm-hmm. If he takes a step forward, okay, they'll overperform their win total, right? The other for me, Joe, is Darius Geis. Darius Geis at the running back position is a guy who everyone seems to fall in love with. Everyone thinks has the skill set in limited action that we have seen him play at the NFL level. He looks like a quality NFL running back to me. The problem is he's not on the field, right? So for me, if Geis is on the field and Haskins takes a step forward, this offense could surprise some, but I'm not holding my breath on that, Joe. Yeah, I, um, listen. Nobody sucked worse than the Dolphins did last year. And they still won five games, not because they were so uber-talented. It is because a culture change and an attitude change is really what got them to win five games. Sure. And that's what I'm expecting Ron Rivera and uh, and um, Del Jack Del Rio to bring into there. They're going to have to create a new culture in that building. Uh, and they'll win a couple of games they probably shouldn't along the way. But, you know, they're not going to be a 500 team, not even close. But... You ain't going to blow them out 45 to 5 all year long. There are going to be, especially with some of the pieces they have on defense, uh, it is going to be a process. And, you know, they've got the seller. Uh, they'll battle with the Giants uh, in the seller in the NFC East. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. But we do know this. With Del Rio and Rivera, uh, you may not win, but Joy ass is going to play. And they're going to play hard. Yeah. They might be the kind of team, Joe, where when they're getting points at home, yeah. you know, I may be very interested in them as a road dog. Yep. You know, I could see taking Washington, yep. Washington yep. plus seven and a half a couple times when it looks like they're going up a bit against one of those big boys. Yeah, that's correct. They just, they lose the game, but mm-hmm. it's one of those, like, closer than you would have thought. Yep. There's going to be a couple times I'm going to take Washington with the points. So, one of the other guys, uh, obviously, a new first-year head coach, new regime taking place, is that former team of Coach Rivera there at the Carolina Panthers. And uh, Matt Rule uh, takes yeah. over there. And interesting choices uh, prior to the draft there gives... Uh, running back Christian McCaffrey, all the money in the world. Let's Cam Newton walk out the door, the face of what has been that franchise forever now. And uh, so what does he do? Well, they go all defense there in this start this draft here, Dan. I mean, they completely, and we know when Luke Keeke, when you got a Hall of Famer like Keeke oh, Lee yeah. retires, that, that defense was decimated. We get it. Uh, but my word, I mean, it started with Derek Brown and it just kept getting more defense and more yeah. defense after that. And now Matt Rule is an offensive guy, but man, they didn't spend a lot of time this draft trying to build up any sort of offense. They got Teddy Bridgewater in the offseason. So um, strength, speed, 
obviously, it, it, you know, again, looking at that draft and who they drafted, the types of players that they want to build there in Carolina. How do you think Matt Rule did with his uh, first NFL draft here this year? I'm very intrigued by it, Joe, really. And you mentioned it up at the top, and we're putting it up on the screen right now. If you look mm -hmm. at the Carolina Panthers draft hall, all defensive players, yep. right? It says it right there. Derek Brown out of Auburn. Then Gross Matos, the pass rusher that we talked about from Penn State. And on and on and on. Three, four members of a secondary, potentially two safeties, two cornerbacks in the draft, and another D tackle. Remember, they needed to revamp this defense. Not only is Keekly not there, they lose Bradbury, the corner, in free agency. They lose Mario Addison, the edge rusher, in free agency going to Buffalo. So I think it's right that for the first time in history, some a team who had seven or more draft picks spent all of them on one side of the ball, that being the defensive side of the ball. But here's the way I think about it, Joe. In the same way with Denver, how I was like, oh, wow, they got extra playmakers and speed, and I'll trust Vic Fangio to make sure the defense of that team is okay. I do the same thing, but in the reverse here with Carolina. I like that they went all defense here in the draft, and I'm going to trust Matt Rule, Joe Brady, whatever that new brain trust is, to do an improvement on offense. And think about it, Joe. They've already spent on offense, right? They give Christian McCaffrey right. the face of their franchise, the extension at the running back position. They bring in a new quarterback, Joe, in Teddy Bridgewater. They go sign a wide receiver in Robbie Anderson. To be honest, Joe, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel as three wideouts, that sounds fine to me, especially when you add Christian McCaffrey. Yep. So I don't think they're hurting in the skill positions, right? Maybe there's offensive linemen still to be had, but I think you know, Matt Rule thinks he has the ingredients yep. for his offense. So I I appreciate that the Panthers decided to sell out on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to the draft. Yeah, it's um, – I got to give him credit. He, he, yeah. he, he recognized right. what the issue, where the deficiency right. is, and he That's was right. all – and it's not easy, too, Dane, because when you get these first-year guys that come in there, they do one thing really well, right? Like defensive <laughs> guys – I've got to pick defense, you know, and then offensive guys, right. they didn't do that. I mean, he went against the grain and said, I'm going to use every ounce of draft asset I have. And guess what? We're going to rebuild this defense first. So I find it automatically right off the bat. I thought that was uh, extremely interesting there from that yeah. standpoint, Dan, that, you know what? Pretty, pretty bold of him to be able to do that and go, you know what? Even though it's not what I do best, I'm trusting the process. I got to build a team. Um, he, I thought they did pretty good uh, from that particular Agreed. standpoint there. So uh, good for them. And it'll be a fun watch in that division this year as to uh, who, what, where, and how. Yeah. We talked about Cleveland a little bit in the first hour. Stefanski, new, get, get rid of the old, man. In with the new. Out with Dorsey and company. Let's bring in a little uh, Minnesota Viking flair here and, uh, and a Zimmer mold kind of thing. And um, no nonsense. I mean, let's face it, very no nonsense, very close to the best. But yeah. a team that was loaded with talent on both sides of the balls addressed every position. They had question marks in, Dane, in this draft, and it started with not blowing the first pick at number 10 in this draft, Dane. I thought Cleveland did fantastic this year. I thought Stefanski did a really good job as well as the front office. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit before, Joe. Mm -hmm. I'll say it again, you know. I think they are going about it in the right way, the mature way. There's an adult in the room, whatever axiom you want to use there, and not messing it up, right? The same way we talk about the Washington team, not messing it up at number two and getting Chase Young. I mean, Jedrick Wills, there were some people who thought that he was the number one tackle yes. on the board. There were some people that thought the Giants would take him at number four when they had their pick of all of the tackles. So the That's fact right. that he's still there for the Cleveland Browns at number 10, and then they go ahead and made the pick. I'm with that. Then they go defense, like we said, on the defensive line, the linebacker level, and in the secondary with their next three picks. I agree, Joe. I think they are doing it the right way. And the biggest change could be obviously going from Freddie Kitchens to Stefanski and kind of the environment yep. that that means. The last thing I'll say on this one, Joe, the Browns, and remember when we looked at the schedule, the Browns have a third-place schedule, Joe. Yes. Okay? Then you remember, Baltimore clearly – last year and Pittsburgh was ahead of them last year too. This third place schedule could be a benefit 
for the Browns, especially if we think that they are right there on the fringe of being a playoff contender. Right. You know what I mean? Like, this team is going to play the other third-place teams as opposed to Pittsburgh playing the other second-place teams. Other teams they may be competing against for those kind of wild-card spots. I think the schedule is a slight um, advantage for the Browns based on them underperforming last year. All right, so of all of these uh, these five first-year yeah. head coaches in the draft here, Dane, who is going to have, in your opinion, the most success based upon what we have seen from them thus far in the draft? Who do you think uh, is in the best position to succeed, and who do you think, because those necessarily aren't mutual to each other. You know, who's in the best position, I would think, you know, when we're talking about yeah. Talent and team, I, the oh, Cowboys yeah. and Cleveland are in a different, That's but that was, doesn't mean they will. So right. who do you think is in the best spot right now, did the, did the best with the draft, and who do yeah. you think ultimately this time next year will be looking at and said, boy, they, they really crushed it? Out of those five new head coaches that we talked about, I think ultimately Dallas will be in the best spot. Yeah. Okay, and that is because, A, McCarthy himself mm -hmm. is experienced as a head coach, and I think they have the most talent there. We yep. talked about the talent that they brought in causing an issue down the road with, like, Dak's contract negotiations and things of that nature, but I think the talent is there, and McCarthy is a Super Bowl-winning head coach who has that experience, right? I agree with you that Cleveland, they have talent, and I like what Stefanski would be, so those would be the two for me, but if you put a gun to my head and said which of the first new head coaches will win the most games right. in 2020, it would go for me Dallas and then Cleveland. Love that. All right, so uh, it's going to be an interesting year from that perspective. We're just assuming that everything is going to happen the way it should happen and we'll get a full season in and yada, yada, yada. Um, there are also, Dane, of course, not only new coaches, there's a lot of new players wearing different sure. uniforms here this year, things that we don't often uh, are used to seeing. Um, some of those uh, uniforms, uh, certainly in uh, Florida, for instance, when you're looking at a uh, Tom Brady and the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, comes to mind. And, and by the way, you'll all be happy to know that the NFL found he did absolutely nothing wrong in uh, walking oh, into yeah. uh, the neighbor's house there uh, and not actually walking in to Byron Leftwich's house. Uh, but, you know, meeting with Byron Leftwich didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, you imagine that was Jameis Winston I, and Tom Brady just rolling on in to try to meet with the coordinator and see how it would have gone down. Who but in I, your right mind walks into a house that you've never been to, just let yourself in and be like, hey, hey, oh, he crap, this ain't Byron. Oh, like, Tom like, Brady does. <laughs> I, like Tom Brady, you're damn right Tom Brady does. The whole thing is uh, amazing to me. But, again, 43 years old. And of these aging quarterbacks this year, Dane, whether it be Tom Brady, whether it be Drew Brees, whether it be Philip Rivers, yeah, whether yeah. it be Aaron Rodgers, or you know what, I'll even throw the old man ben. up in Pittsburgh too, yeah. Big Ben. Um, it's kind of hard. Who's in the best position? Let's start that. Is it Tom Brady? Is, is he in the best position to win right now in Tampa Bay in that division? Not in my opinion. Good. Um, of the old, of the old quarterbacks, I mean. The Saints are really close, and we know that, right? right? So I'm not, I'm not necessarily Breeze. I'm not counting that one. The one I turn my attention to is Phillip Rivers and Indy, Joe. Yeah. Um, because I really believe, I really believe that Indy is on the precipice, Joe. Um, last year, Indy was like a quote-unquote sexy pick, right? When we thought Andrew Luck was going to be finally back and healthy, and they held their own for a while. You know, Brissett went five and two to start, I believe. Right. A lot of one-score games. Remember, Joe, their 40-year-old kicker cost them a couple of games. Remember last it while, well. yep. T.Y. Hilton injured for a lot of that time. Yep. I think they have a quality defense, right? They have one of the best offensive linemen, uh, offensive lines in the sport, Joe. Yep. Right? And they went out and got skill positions in the draft. Pittman, Jonathan Taylor. The variable is Philip Rivers. Yes. Okay. Brissett, I think he proved himself last year to be one of the better backup caliber quarterbacks in the NFL, right? Can he win some games? Yes. But then over time, it, it fell off a little bit, right? The question is, what does Philip Rivers have left? Because he was throwing 
interceptions and 50-50 YOLO balls all last season for the Chargers also. Yep. So if Rivers, though, you know, can kind of summon the ghosts and the echoes and build it back with Frank Reich, I believe the Colts are one of those teams who can threaten Kansas City, who can threaten Baltimore in the AFC if we get good quarterback play for Phillip Rivers. So I'll say the path, everything's right there for Phillip Rivers. He'd be my answer of these older quarterbacks over Ben over Brady it's interesting because he um just don't lose it you know I don't know that he's going to have to feel I know he felt like he had to do everything with the Chargers and I don't know that that's going to be the case this year but that's up to Frank Wright uh you put an awful lot of eggs in a Philip Rivers basket there Frank Wright for one year so it'll be interesting to see uh, how that plans uh pans out but they certainly uh, did a great job in the draft, but did it move the needle for Super Bowl odds? We'll check that out. We'll do it coming up next here on The Grid. It is sportsgrid.com. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. And welcome back in here. It is the early line. Uh, it is sportsgrid.com. He is Dane Martinez. I'm Joe Ranieri. Thank you very much for stopping by, making us a part of your day as we try to wrap our heads around the idea of uh, tomorrow being May 1st, uh, 2020. We're excited, though, because uh, it's not like April uh, delivered uh, anything of uh, excitement for us. I but know, it right? does appear, Dane, that uh, between the... Uh, acknowledgement of UFOs and asteroids whipping by uh, this planet and pandemics and uh, right. of all of that craziness going on, it does appear that the month of May in 2020, we may look back on it and say, well, that is at least when some normalcy started to creep back in in our world, the, that being the sports world, where UFC May 9th and NASCAR a couple of weeks after that and golf coming back right. and baseball and and guys getting ready to go to facilities in the nba and maybe just maybe by june uh we will uh have our sports back and uh sports books will be right back on it waiting for that to take place but in the meantime then we'll take a look at here coming up some of the uh super bowl numbers uh from some sure. of these sports books here just to see if uh, the needle had been moved from uh from the draft since the draft yeah. to where we are but there are a couple of other uh, headlines, of course, that popped out uh, regarding uh, the NFL. And, and one of them has to do with a, uh, a little police blotter there. Uh, far be it from the Kansas City Chiefs to, what a shock, have a uh, player that was uh, arrested here. And that being uh, quarterback uh, Bashad Breland. Just, it's just a strange story. I mean, we're in an epidemic, right? We, we've got, we got a pandemic going on. we got nobody allowed to leave houses. And somehow... And this has been great for the NFL because nobody's actually made headlines like this. So, you know, they yeah. kind of had to push to this. The dude gets arrested on, like, multiple charges. Like, I don't even know what happened here. 28-year-old, I believe it. Was it in Kansas? I believe it was in Kansas, wasn't it? Um, I don't know where. Oh, South was. Carolina. I'm sorry. South Carolina. South Carolina, yeah. right. But here's the thing. You know, we talk about the NFL calendar, right, Joe? And everybody knows, to be honest, if you ask GMs and front office guys, from between, like, April to June, they're worried for this reason, Joe. They're like, just get them to mini camps without having some kind of an arrest. Or, because, in essence, this is like when they're kind of free to go there on their vacations. They're not, like, under where, – where Stefanski just said he's keeping his thumb on Baker. This is the point of the year where that doesn't happen. And literally, GMs, head coaches, just, like, get them all into OTAs without having any issues, Right. And it's funny, because of uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic that we are in, people ain't going out, right? Nope. So the idea of, you know, drunk driving or, or, or DUI or, or, or having, you know, drugs with you in open containers, which is what Breland, some of the charges he's facing, people aren't out. So these things aren't happening. So you may think on the one hand, 
right? Like, oh, this is good for the NFL and players. Like, they're not going to get into trouble. On the other side, though, Breland, I mean, come on, bro. You had one job. <laughs> I, I, dude, I, like, I can't. Like, seriously, like, that is just beyond it. And he was a starter with them for a couple of, uh, you know, he's been there, with, I think, with two years. And the fact that you yeah. somehow or another find yourself getting busted in South Carolina and then, of course, coming out and acting like uh, nothing really happened here is just, it's beyond me. But whatever. Uh, he started four years in the, with the Redskins there in Washington. Uh, I think he went to the Packers there for a little while. Ended up with Kansas City. And, oh, yeah, Dan, wouldn't you know it, happens to find himself with a ring as well. Did sign a one-year extension. So he, uh, he is certainly on the roster there of Kansas City. We'll see exactly what happens there. We also did get the numbers in on the Jameis Winston contract. We learned this week that yeah. uh, Jameis signed with, uh, you know, made it official there with the Saints. We thought it was great. We talked about that in hour one. Love his approach to it with the whole can't wait to go to, you know, Harvard uh, quarterback school there with the Saints. Right. Great. We come to find out that the deal is worth uh, $1.1 million. There are some incentives tied in uh, I wouldn't count on those as centers, but That's let's face it, man. One, they basically, and we thought we're like, how much money are the Saints spending in the quarterback room? Turns oh, out, Jameis. <laughs> they gave him a ham sandwich, Dane. They gave him a ham sandwich to come and be on the team, and he took it. So I think that tells you everything. And if that's the quarterback market, what it, what is Cam Newton going to get? Right. I, I think that's a very good question as it relates to Cam. And yeah. Cam looking for starting opportunities where the chairs are left in the game of musical chairs. But as for Jameis, listen, I said it last hour. I'll say it again, Joe. I'm not considering necessarily Taysom Hill's new contract of two years, I believe, $21 million as allocated to the quarterback position. I'm just not. You know, he's allocated to the football player position. Um, and that's the way the Saints use him. But I think it's very interesting. You say Jameis is going to get $1.1 million, about nine hundred and fifty in base salary, about hundred and fifty also in kind of a signing bonus. Here's the thing. It can get up to, I believe, five with incentives. But he's got to be on the field. got to play. And all <laughs> the incentives to happen. So that's really only happening if Drew goes down for any extended uh. period like he did last year. Contrast this, Joe. Remember I talked about how the Saints, how uh, Jameis threw more passes to the Saints than Taysom Hill. That's well, for right. Jameis, he was making $1.2 million a week last year with his Tampa Bay Bucks contract. He goes to $1.1 for the season with the Saints. In essence, Joe, this is like the definition of a one-year prove it deep. And I'll tell you this, Joe, I'm okay with Jameis Winston understanding that he needs to eat a little bit of humble pie to kind of regenerate the image, right? Eat some humble pie instead of more people and eating the W's, remember that? Or eating crab legs even before that. So I'm okay with this, Joe. And quite frankly, if he can reclaim the image, then, you know, there's also a universe where he's the starting quarterback of the Saints next year under Sean Payton. So I, I like this idea. And unlike what we used to think yesterday, maybe the Saints aren't spending a ton of money on the quarterback position. No. Oh, they're definitely not <laughs> at, right. uh, at a million dollars. So, I, you know, well, I... Going to Taysom Hill part of their quarterback room necessarily. Exactly. I, it was a little confused, but now a lot of this makes uh, an awful lot more sense here, Dane, from that perspective, where it's like, oh, I get it now. You're you're basically paying him a ham sandwich. Oh, I get it. Okay, it makes uh, total sense. So uh, as long as that's cleared up and we're all on the same page there, that it's not like Jameis is going in making ten million dollars a year. Make I get it from both sides. It's a perfect marriage. Uh, there are, of course, some question marks regarding the the draft and whether or not, for some teams, it actually moved the needle from a betting perspective. We'll get you guys those uh, those numbers and check out what the current odds are for who are the favorites, by the way. Who are the top five teams that are sure. thought right now on the board of going ahead and getting, uh, uh, getting another champion? Would it be uh, exactly what we saw last year, or did the draft move the needle on some people? But... There's also some uh, some breaking news over the last 24 hours, Dane, too, that I wanted to touch on regarding uh, this uh, this new form G League of the NBA yes. and how they uh, yes. are now paying the elite of the elite, which and when we say elite of elite, we're talking about high school players that would often are going to be projected to be top one or two picks in an NBA draft, but are forced to go to college first. Uh, and now right. instead of opting to go to college, 
they're opting to go play in a this sub league in the G League overseas where they're going to get paid a half million dollars. Ultimately, yeah. it's run by the NBA. Now, this was all fine and dandy because the first couple of kids who uh, signed on to this had not committed right. to anybody. And why is that important? Well, when you don't commit to any college, then there was a good chance they probably weren't going to get you anyway. However, there was a commit uh, to yep. UCLA. Um, Knicks. Yes, who, who uh, Knicks had committed to UCLA. And listen, um, that is UCLA up and coming. Um, uh, program there. Mick Cronin did wonderful things there coming from Cincinnati, UCLA. I thought he did a great job. This was like the crowning achievement here after his first year, signing this kid, Nick's. And then all of a sudden it comes out that Nick's is like, yeah, um, we're going to go and get a G League and we're going to go ahead and take the money and yeah. run. And now all of a sudden, and it, it, the writing is on the wall here, guys, but now all of a sudden the NCAA is scrambling here trying to figure out well how are we going to combat this well i'll tell you how you're going to combat it you're going to combat it with the almighty dollar and the days of um the days of sitting there and riding millions and millions and millions of dollars off of these kids uh sweat likeness and everything else along those lines um that is coming to an end Dane. and nick's heading to the g league after signing that commitment now has just made it a, uh, a that is shots fired in a big way, and it tells the NCAA, you're in trouble, dude, because not the mid-range guy, not the middle guy, the 18-year-old, that may be after a junior year be NBA-worthy. But the kids that are going to move the needle, they ain't going to college anymore, Dan, and that's a big problem for the NCAA. Absolutely. Yep. I remember a couple of weeks ago, Joe, we talked about this as relation to the first kid who did it. I think Jalen Green yep. was him, like one of the number one recruits out of the state. So, and we said it then, right, that the NCAA is going to have to stand up and take notice of this. And the G League is doing this in collaboration with the NBA. They're actually finding a way to have the G League be a minor league, be a training ground, right? And I think it helps. NBA GMs, because they don't strike out on some of these 18-year-old kids anymore. They get to see them up against men. And the NCAA just ne never had, like, something to compete with. They never had to think about this. And That's now correct. they – and I said it with Jalen, and I'll say it with this kid, Nick's also, you know, it's different because he already made a commitment to UCLA and is decommitting, so I get that that's a little bit different. But this is a completely legitimate path now. You know, kids used to, 18-year-olds go went to Europe or Lithuania or Australia to play. And this is now a real option where they can compete against men, let NBA GM see what it looks like. They can earn money as a professional, which is something I never liked about the uh, NCAA rule, right? Because, listen, if you're in golf, if you're in tennis, and you're awesome and good enough to earn money, you should be able to do so in this capitalistic society that we are in. Right. But, you know, if it's only three kids who do this show, then it's not a big deal, right? If it stays at really, you know, Zion or the top two kids, and that's one thing. But if, like, 9, 10, 11 kids start taking this route every single year, the NCAA is going to have to notice and going to have to adjust and compete with this other pipeline to the NBA. See, the problem is that it's never going to be more. This isn't going to be for everyone. The invitation to a G League and a half million dollars is only going to the cream of the crop, which isn't 20 players a year, guys. But the problem is the handful of players that do qualify and would be able to take advantage of this is what moves the needle in college basketball. It's the reason why people follow a team all damn year. It's yep. why teams finish. That's why they buy tickets. It's why March Madness is March Madness. And while it's nice to get a bunch of kids that, you know, Gonzaga that are uh, there for four years, who gives a crap? They're not moving the needle. The kids that are moving right. the needle are the Zions, are the Weissmans, are the top. And if those kids ain't coming into college anymore, yeah. Now, it used to be you could deal with that for four years because you had you had no choice, uh, and the NBA wasn't siphoning kids out, uh, and only the, you know, Kobe and, and Garnett and, and LeBron, that's it. But, you know, college basketball didn't really miss them because there was no other competition. Now, the way watered down it has been with this one-year rule, the NCAA has caused all these problems themselves, by the way, and wouldn't you know it, the NCAA has now come out and said, well, we know we made this big deal about shoe companies and we, we, we sent Patino 
and mm -hmm. every all these and these guys that jail who have no business being in jail. Well, the NCAA said that they are expected to adopt when it comes to name, image, and likeness rules ah. for athletes beginning next year. That would allow them to receive compensation yes. uh, for a third-party endorsements and opportunities yep. for social media, uh, businesses, on Instagram. Oh, yeah, and personal appearances. So now, all of a sudden, the NCAA is saying, who were adamant about these kids being amateurs, and that they were amateurs. There it is. It's the school experience. Mm -hmm. All of that goes out the damn window. And years ago, Dane, we had the whole thing with unionizing for the football players. Yes. And now all of a sudden, the, now the football players are a little different because they don't have a choice but to go to school for three years. There's not a, another option. A like that, right? Doesn't change the fact that they're making trillions of dollars off of these kids. Now yeah. the NCAA is going to allow what? Just basketball players to profit from their likeness? Nope, or that it's got to be. Oh, everything. yeah. It's a new world. It is a new dawn, a new day in, in college. And you know what? It's all your fault, NCAA. You brought all it did not have to go this way. But ultimately, it finally it finally has gone that way. And good for the kids. Yeah, I agree. And remember, even like a couple of months ago, it was kind of under the radar. But California as a state. Number nine. We're going to start to allow this. And now these are all just examples, whether it's the G League, the state law in California, that applies pressure to the NCAA to respond. They never had to before. But whether it's Northwestern kids wanting to unionize the state of California or the pressure or competition from the G League, the NCAA is going to have to stand up and take notice and do something about it. Yep. And I'm excited to see what they will. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. All right, quickly, Dane, anybody move the needle when it came to uh, Super Bowl odds from the draft. Are we pretty much the same right now? We are pretty much the same. You know, I looked at it before the draft, and now we are pretty much the same. The one team that did move a little bit was actually Tampa Bay. But remember, they also got someone right before the draft that moved the needle. His name was Rob Gronkowski. So out of the um, actual draft hall, not as much, maybe a little bit on the juice here or there, but no one moved up or down an extra half win. There you go. All right, guys, uh, that does it for us here on the early line. We'll be back again uh, tomorrow, bringing you all the latest headlines heading into the month of May, as well as the weekend where maybe just maybe May will be a lot happier and a lot more productive for all of us uh, sooner rather than later. So stay safe. Dane and I will be back. Morning After is next. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. It is the early line. It is sportsgrid.com. Be safe. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.